In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. my friends we're back welcome back it's so nice to see everybody even though i can't really see you i got my eyes closed and i'm imagining everybody being here and i hope you guys imagine me smiling thinking about you because i love you guys so welcome to the only moment there ever is the here and the now i'm going to start off with uh some proverbs about advice and ignorance this is from uh, the book by Alice O'Neill. Without any further ado. Giving advice. There's no price for good advice. Which is why a word to the wise is enough. And he that speaks sows. Whereas he that hears reaps. Leading by example is better than giving advice. So it's often best to say little about what you know. And nothing about what you don't. For no matter how much care is taken, someone will be misled. For many the truth hurts, as good medicine is bitter to the tongue. Good advice is harsh to the ear, which is why if you advise a bear, you deserve your fate. And many people use a stick for a nobody and a hint for a nobleman. A fool may say, do as I say, not as I do. But even a fool can give ideas to a wise man. And remember, never give advice in a crowd. Heeding advice. He asks advice in vain. Who does not heed it? So ask for what you want. Don't offer me advice. Give me money. Forewarned is forearmed. They say, so learn from new books and old teachers. And if you can't read, then experience will show you while a master points the way. Remember, it's shameful never to ask. And it's better to ask twice than lose your way once. As he who seeks advice seldom errs. 
Many a young prince is told that listening to good advice is the way to wealth, for a king with good counselors has a peaceful reign. Often because deep calls to deep, one piece of good advice is better than a bagful, and crafty advice often comes from a fool. Bear in mind that another person's counsel is no command, and that you must examine the advice, not who gives it. Remember, if you ask a lazy person to work, he will only give you advice. But if you're lucky, you'll find the best advice is on your pillow, and the best word is left unsaid. For all that is known is not told. Ignoring advice, only a bald child will not take advice. <laughs> only a bald child. Zoop 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 zoop. Let me rewind that. Only a bad child will not take advice. For there's none so deaf as those who won't hear, and there's none so blind as those who won't see. Yet no enemy is worse than bad advice, because if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the ditch. Particularly as advice most needed is least heeded. Of course, the person on shore is always the champion swimmer, and many will show you the way after the cartwheel breaks. Remember. There is no right way to a wrong thing, and advice after mischief is like medicine after death. So bear in mind that wise men don't need advice, and fools won't take it. So why not go to the square and ask advice, then go home and do what you like? I like it. I like it. It's a good way to start it off. It's a good way to start off this next class in neurolinguistic programming. I'm going to call this class two.、Uh, Let's call it、uh, mind management. Why not? Why not? So what we're going to do here is I'm going to give you guys some key points, and in true NLP fashion, I'm going to use the power of three. So I am going to give you the key point. I'm going to break it down. Then I'm going to show you how to use it in a defensive posture. And then I'm going to show you how to use it in an offensive posture. And just so we know what those are, let me go ahead and unpack that a little bit more for you before we really get started. What the heck is this guy talking about? An offense and defensive posture. I thought we were learning NLP. Well, we are. We are learning it. But it's imperative that you learn it in the defensive posture first. And what I mean by defensive. Is that you understand how these linguistic structures and these techniques hit you, a la the defensive posture? You must learn how all the techniques make sense to you. How the linguistic pathways affect you, the feelings, the emotions. All of it. That's all connected, and that's the defensive posture. You need to learn how how you are affected, so that you can see how other people are affected, so that you can see the emotions that the other people might be feeling, so that you can use a little bit of what I call tactical empathy. Right. That's going to be the offensive posture. How you use these techniques against other people. But it's imperative 
that you learn the defense so that you can learn the offense. And I want you guys to remember this. Look in the mirror. That is your only competition. Comprende? Amigos and amigas? Okay, so let's, let's get started here, right? Are you guys excited? I'm pretty excited. This has been a great course, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to knocking this part out. Okay, so mind management. Because, uh, look, the truth is few of us understand how our brains and minds work. We don't really know what pictures, sounds, feelings, tastes, and smells are in our brains and minds, let alone how that information is impacting us right now. Here's the deal, guys and girls. The brain operates pretty much on its own, doing its job to process information and keep us alive. In contrast, the mind is able to focus on more than just survival. It affords us the opportunity to create and choose from a myriad of options. The first key point is going to be well-formed outcomes. All right, and this is going to be a, a simple set of six questions that will enable you to flesh out and evaluate a goal before committing to it and or committing to a course of action. Right, think of it as a, as also a, an orientation. You know, it's going to. It's actually, it, it is. It's actually an orientation, a way of perceiving experience as a set of choices, rather than addressing the issue of why a problem exists. It's going to help organize experience around what is wanted and how it is possible to achieve it. All right, so let's talk about these questions here. What specifically do you want? How will you know when you've achieved what you want? Under what circumstances, where, when, and with whom do you want to have this result? What stops you from having your desired outcome already? What resources will you need to help you create what you want. How are you going to get there? And what's the first step to begin to achieve this result? Okay, let's take it from the top. We're gonna go over them again and I'm gonna, we're gonna work through some different postures here. What specifically do you want? You know, you'd be surprised at how aimlessly some people walk through life. I don't think anybody listening to this is going to fit that category. But I can guarantee you everybody listening to this knows someone that does fit that category. It's imperative to have not only short-term goals but long-term goals. Right? How how can you get to your destination if you don't have a map? Right? This the road to someday leads to a town called nowhere. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Right? It's important. It's important to know this 
from a defensive posture so that you have vision, so that you have purpose, so you can achieve a destination or a goal. For those on an offensive side, if you know people that don't have a goal, then those are people that you can talk with using NLP and you can make you can make them help you achieve your goal. How will you know when you've achieved what you want? It's a good question, right? This is why a lot of people are unhappy. They don't they don't even know, not only do they not have a goal, but when they get something, they didn't even know they really wanted it. So it's important that you make like a checklist. It's important that you, I'll say it this way. It's important that you have evidence that you've achieved what you wanted. And I would say that the offensive maneuver for this particular question is in fact the same as the previous question. If people don't have a goal, then they're probably not going to know what they have to achieve to get it. And then again, these are the people that you can use to recruit to your team to help you achieve your goals. Under what circumstances, where, when, and with whom do you want to have this result? Okay, this one's a little more complicated and it's a little more in-depth. You know, under what circumstances? Let's think about if you want, let's say you have a business meeting or you're trying to achieve financing or you're you're in a relationship and you want to take it to the next level or you know whatever the meeting is whatever the relationship is it's imperative that you understand the circumstances and that you prepare for those circumstances prior to having the meeting you know there's the old quote by sun tzu that says the best way to lose any war is to let the enemy dictate the terms of battle and that fits in here Right, where is your meeting going to be at? Are you going to meet someone at their office? You're going to you're going to go to their home turf and have the meeting? You're going to meet on a neutral turf or you're going to have them try to meet on your turf? When? When are you going to have the meeting? Don't have it at lunchtime. Studies show that there was a pretty good study done a while back and it talked about court cases throughout the continental US. And judges tended to give out punishments that were 15 to 62% more harsh on criminals for the same crime right before lunch than they did in the morning. You know, we're affected by our hunger. We're affected by emotions. We're affected by how we slept. So you want to have that meeting. You want to have that talk with someone. You want to have that important point of dialogue on your terms. And you'll probably want to do it in the morning. With whom do you want to have it? Is this one of your peers? Is this someone that is in your family? Is it someone with whom you're trying to get a promotion? Is it someone you're trying to impress? You see, all of these points add up. And the practitioner of NLP is going to spend a lot of time thinking about thinking. You're going to have this stuff mapped out in your mind. You're going to have run through the scenarios in your own mind and you're going to come up with different results. 
And that's the defensive posture. You're going to go through all this in your head prior to the meeting. In the beginning, it takes a long time. You're going to write out questions. You're going to think about it from different points of view and different angles. And then as you get good at it, then you'll be able to utilize the offensive positioning, which is you're going to be able to think a lot quicker on your feet. You're going to be able to understand that the people talking with you, they failed to account for the circumstances. They didn't, they let you dictate the rules of the battle. They let you set up the time. What stops you from having your desired outcome already? This is where honesty plays a role. What is it? What's the reason why you don't have the things that you want to have? And you got to be honest here. If you're honest with yourself, you can move past this one in a heartbeat. But what you'll find out is that the first answer you'll give to yourself about why you haven't achieved what you wanted, why you're not where you want to be, is probably not going to be a correct answer. You got to dig a little deeper. That's the defensive posture. The offensive posture is... If you were to ask somebody else this question, you would know that the first answer they give you is probably bullshit. Probably the second, probably the third, probably even the fourth or fifth answer is all bullshit. And the only way you're going to figure that out is because you are going to try to answer it yourself and you're going to realize the first five, question, the first five answers you gave were bullshit. Do you see how the, how the defense and offense is working together and why it's imperative for you to understand defense before you can be really good at offense? How are you going to get there? And what's the first step to begin to achieve this result? You know, I met a guy one time, smart guy, motivated, and he wanted, he had his big picture. He had his, he had his results. You know, and his result, he wanted to open up like a children's center. And he, he had a lot of really good ideas. You know, he wanted there to be like a, a mathnasium type area with with counselors and teachers and a experimental science lab room and you know all this awesome stuff for kids to go and learn and you know when you look at it from from that point of view you're like oh yeah that sounds awesome you know but you can't go from a to z you gotta go from a to b and this guy didn't have a b he didn't have a c he didn't have a d he just had a to z He had a big, thick binder with like 300 pages, graphs and maps and statistics and, you know, building plans. But, you know, how are you going to get the capital for that? So it's important to understand how you're going to get there. And how you're going to get anywhere begins with a first step. So watch out for confirmation bias and watch out for the big picture you know, it, it's intoxicating to think of the end result. And you should do it. However, you got to think of how you're going to get there. Okay. The next key point, it's called incongruence. You know what that is? That is when you're feeling uncertain or conflicted. And I have learned that when you feel uncertain or conflicted, it's usually an internal signal. And that internal signal is, it's like a smoke alarm, right? There may not actually be a fire, 
but it's prudent to determine what set it off. When you, when you find yourself pausing an incongruency, when you hear that voice in your head, you got to figure out, okay, is this voice in my head a nuisance? Or is this voice, you know, is it a nuisance? Can I just turn down the volume? Or is this a voice I need to listen to? Is this voice telling me something important? Usually incongruence comes with different value systems. You know, how much money do you need to compromise your values? That's a very common incongruent posture. And when you, when you feel, when you hear the smoke alarm of incongruence, you're vulnerable. Be aware of that. That's the defensive posture. Additionally, when you're speaking with someone on the offense and you spot the incongruence, that's when you can push them. You know what I mean by that? Let's say you ask them, hey, we're going to go, we're all going to go, we're all going to leave and we're going to go do this thing. If that person pauses and they say, oh, you know, I'm not sure if I can make that. See, that's, that's the incongruence. It's this wishy-washy kind of middle-of-the-road answer. And it doesn't matter which way you push. You, you could either say, come on, let's do it, or hey, let's not do this. Whatever answer you get, if, they, if, if you say, let's go do this thing, and they say, to you, oh, you know what, I'm not exactly sure about that. That means that they're afraid to leave something behind. And on the opposite, you know, that would, that would mean if they want to go do it, and they're gung-ho, that means that they're not afraid. They don't have anything to lose left behind. You see, so either way you push, you gain valuable knowledge on what those person's motivation and insights might be. And that gives you leverage. That's going to be the offensive posture. Incongruence is is something that we all have. And it's important that if you feel that you really take time to find out what it is that's giving you that incongruent feeling. That's back to the defense. Next key point. The structure of experience is based on five representational systems called modalities. Pictures, sounds, feelings, tastes, and smells. I want you to think about this little sound bite right here. The structure of experience. The structure of experience. The structure of experience. All our experience are structured. They're all built on different foundations. And while the majority of people use the same structures, we may interlace some of those modalities together. Right? Some people are visual learners. Some people go on a sense of feeling. Some people are more audio learners. Remember the, remember the three pigs? Remember their structures? House of straw, house of sticks, house of bricks. It's important to understand the structures on which experience is built. Right? There's a different way to take down each one of those structures in the offensive mode. If it's built of straw, if it's built of sticks, if it's built of bricks important on a defensive posture to understand how you build structures. Are you an audio 
Are you an audio person? Are you a visual person? When speaking to someone, when someone's speaking to you, can they best persuade you if they use a poetic metaphor, something that sounds beautiful? Is it best if they use some sort of visual analogy? Is it better if they use a combination of two? It's important that you find out what kind of structures that you build experience best with because you can use those as anchors later. And that's the defensive posture. From the offensive posture, it's important to understand how other people build their structures because you'll be best able to convince, persuade, or come to terms with people when you find out their preferred method of structure building. That's the offensive pattern. Let's go to the next key point. Associating into the picture usually makes the impact of seeing the image more intense, either positive or negative for the person. Recalling different memories in a disassociated way reduces the emotional charge and makes it easier to get the information related to the situation. So let me unpack that. That's kind of, I don't know if I really worded that the right way. So I'm going to read it again and then I'm going to give you an example. Associating into the picture usually makes the impact of seeing the image more intense. And it can be either positive or negative. Recalling different memories in a disassociated way reduces the emotional charge and makes it easier to get the information related to the situation. Okay, so let me explain this key point to you using the emotion of empathy. Most people think empathy is thinking from another person's point of view, and that's as deep as they ever get. But there's distinctions, and that's what this key point is talking about. And the distinctions I'm going to give in this example about empathy is this. Imagine someone in a distressed situation. Okay? Now, I want you to imagine how that person feels in that distressed situation. Are you doing it? Are you imagining how that person may feel in that distress situation? Okay, good. Now I want you to think about putting yourself in that person's shoes in that distress situation. Actually, I want you to think about if you were that person in the distress situation. Are you doing it? How do you feel now? Do you feel the difference? In the first case, when I asked you to put yourself in a position where you're, you're thinking about how they must feel in that situation. Well, in that case, you're actually going to have a higher impact of empathy because you are focusing strictly on their feelings and how they must feel. In the second case, you're going to have a little bit lower volume on empathy because you're going to also feel anxiety. Statistics show that people who 
think about empathy by being in the other person's shoes, they tend to also feel the anxiety in which that person in a stressful situation is going through. You see, the way you word stuff like that, think about their feelings versus thinking about being them. It's a very small change. So in a defensive posture, from this point forward, when you think about empathy or when you think about emotional situations of other people or yourself, think about and focus on the feelings of that situation. And you'll be able to recall or you'll be able to come up with solutions to the problem. Don't think about being that person. Think about how that person must feel. From an offensive posture, if you're going to wield this key point of NLP against someone else, you want to tell someone else to, hey, put yourself in their shoes. Because when you do that, you're putting that person in a state of anxiety as well as, well as with whatever emotional charge you're going to add to it. It's an important one. You may have to re-listen to this again to truly understand it. But once you do understand it, it'll be one of your most effective tools in the toolkit. Feeling, next key point, feeling an emotion is an option. Feeling an emotion is an option. Feeling an emotion is an option. You all know what I mean by that. If you're listening to this, I'm confident that you've been through times in your life where you're in the middle of something, you get bad news, and you say, I can't deal with this right now. Let me finish what I'm doing, and then I can come back to that. So you've turned down the volume on that emotion. And that's what people are talking about when they say emotion is an option. Be it pain, be it tiredness, be it confusion or agitation or anger you can choose to at least for a time turn down the volume on that emotion it's difficult to learn but once you learn it it becomes an effective tool the next key point most of our emotions interpretations and reactions are so well rehearsed that they're automatic and the initial cause is not out of our awareness to understand what's going on You need to slow down the mental movie so that you can so that you can discover the cue. Does that make sense? I'm going to tell you what cue is in a minute. Throughout our whole life, I mean, we've been we've been conditioned. And there's a lot of cultural conditioning, so different cultures have been conditioned differently. However, whatever culture you're in, know that the reactions you have in social settings are usually reactions that have been conditioned by the culture. The interpretations of social interactions are usually conditioned. And it's important just to know that your reaction is probably a conditioned reaction will allow you to stop, slow down, 
and question whether your reaction, your emotion, or your interpretation is the accurate one. Here comes the real gold. I'm going to show you how to do that. Whenever you feel yourself in an emotional state, anger, sadness, frustration, you know, these are, these tend to be reactionary states that come upon us quickly. When you find yourself with an emotion sneaking up on you, I want you to think of cue and think of curiosity. Think of cue and think of curiosity. The word, the letter Q equals curiosity equals the end of negative emotions. When you're curious about something, you're not angry. When you're curious about something, you're not frustrated. When you're curious about something, you are in a state where you can learn. And if you can associate a quick onset of emotions to curiosity, you can negate the negative effects of the destructive behaviors. Does that make sense to you? I want you to get curious. Are you angry? Get curious. Frustrated? Curious. Upset? Curious. I'm losing my mind? Get curious. Curiosity, curiosity, curiosity. It's a beautiful word. Say it with me. Curiosity, curiosity, curiosity. Serenity now, curiosity. When you feel an emotional state, get curious. Wonder, don't wonder why the person you're upset with is such a jackass. Be curious why you're upset. Do not get frustrated that people won't leave you alone. Get curious why that bothers you. That curiosity is the real goal. And it's, it fundamentally changes. It's a shift in your mindset. And the fact that you just say the word curiosity from now. Try it. Curiosity. Can you feel the change? If you're honest with yourself, the programming we just did right there, the next time you get mad, I promise you, you're probably going to start laughing. You're going to get curious. You're welcome. You're welcome. You will be curious, my friend. <laughs> I See, I'm doing it now. Every time I start getting mad or I get upset, I have learned to wield this form of defense. Curiosity is the best defense. So use it, my friends. Get curious. Why are you angry? Why are you frustrated? Why is that person, you know, it's not them, it's you. Be curious about it. That's one of my favorite ones, and that's why I really drilled hard on that one. I think it's effective, and it's had an amazing effect on me. That's the defensive posture. The offensive posture is when you see somebody else fly off the handle. You see somebody else start snapping. I want you to, you're already programmed that when you feel an emotion, anger, frustration, tired, sadness, when you feel that emotion, you're going to get curious about why you do it. But now after you've mastered the defense, this is one of the ones where the offense and defense go hand in hand. 
You've already done the work. You're getting curious if you got angry. So now, when you see someone else fly off the handle, you're not going to be reactionary. You're going to be curious why they're angry. And this is incredibly important because they're probably not understanding why they're angry. And if you can understand, if you get curious and you can understand why they're having the reaction they're having, well, then that puts you in an incredibly powerful position. Now you know something about them that they don't know about themselves. That's when you can really utilize NLP in an effective way. Next key point. This one's going to be, let me just read it. Improving your focus and productivity. We all can use help there. We can all use help there. So let's see what I wrote down. For focus and productivity, I got a five-question checklist for you in the morning. Here's what it's going to be. What am I looking forward to today? Longer term, what am I looking forward to? Am I doing things that lead directly to my goals? Am I being my best friend and supporter? Am I in my body and enjoying the gift of being alive? Did you get all those? Let's run through them again and we'll give some offense defense. What am I looking forward to today? First thing when you wake up. The defense that allows you to be focused right off the bat. Roll out of bed, you got something to look forward to. Changes your state. Long term, what am I looking forward to? This is going to be something that helps you pull yourself out of a funk at about Wednesday at 1130 or at four o'clock on some idle Tuesday when you get bad news. You're going to have this second question of longer term, what am I looking forward to? That answer is going to be able to pull you out of the doldrums. Am I doing things that lead directly to my goals? This is going to be the one that saves you from a little bit of poor behavior or making some decisions that probably aren't in your best interest. Am I being my best friend and supporter? This is a tough one. A lot of the times we are our own worst critics. We're more difficult on ourselves than anybody else. And you should have good goals for yourself. But you should be mindful that your criticism of yourself isn't destructive. Am I in my body and enjoying the gift of being alive? Are you focusing on on how you feel? You taking care of your body? When times are tough, when when it looks like the world's crashing down on you, can you can you look in the mirror and fake a smile and just tell yourself, "Got to take the good with the bad." Right? These are the defensive postures here. On the offense, what am I looking forward to today? The way I'm going to tell you the way I use these on offense. You may find a different way of using them or be it more subtle or sinister or superficial. But this is my strategy and how I use them. I almost, I don't ask people these questions directly, but I'll work them into a conversation, especially with people I care about and love. You know, so the first one, I would just be like, hey, what's going on today? 
oh, where are you headed to? And they'll, they'll, a lot of the times people will give you this answer that's kind of humdrum or you know, not very enthusiastic. But if you can find a nugget in there of like, oh, we're going to go, uh, I got this practice, and then we're going to go do that thing. But, oh, no, what are you practicing? You know, then you can, you can perk up that person and you can change the way they feel about what they're going to do by adding a little emotion into the way you perceive their question. And you do the same thing with the second question, which is longer term, what am I looking forward to? You can ask them if they got any plans in the future or what projects they're working on. And when they tell you what those things are, you want to push back on them with a little bit of uh, not so much a positivity bomb, but a heightened sense of awareness bomb. You know, put a little infliction in your voice. Oh, you're working on that? That sounds interesting. Really? That's what you got going on? I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know you did that. How long have you been doing that? And you could follow it up with a second or third question, right? It's like, it's like in a fight, you just don't throw a jab, right? The jab is the setup and then you come with like a hook or you come up with two more shots after that. In these questions or in NLP, a lot of times you have a setup, you know, sometimes you miss the first setup. So you have a jab, jab, hook, uppercut, jab, jab, hook, uppercut, right? Right cross, right cross, jab. You start working these questions like you would a fight and you're leading when you're using these techniques what you're doing in the conversation is you are chasing them around the ring and eventually you're going to find the combination that works and you're going to back them into that corner and you're going to get the results you want that's a good way to think about neuro-linguistic programming you have an answer for what they're going to say but this only comes this kind of offensive maneuver can only come from you doing your homework and understanding the defensive posture you have to have a lot of internal dialogue and have don't be afraid to talk to yourself people probably make fun of you but it's the best way to work out the material you need to be effective in neuro-linguistic programming Think of it as that fight. Think about being in the ring and the conversation you're having with someone is a series of combinations ultimately leading you to a knockout. Only you don't want them to see the punches you're throwing. You don't want to be odd. You don't want to telegraph. You don't want to be obvious. Right? The fist in the velvet glove. So besides focus and productivity, I, was, I wasn't going to talk about this part, but I'll, I'll just throw it in there because I know that I, I have friends that suffer with depression and I've suffered with it from time to time and, and everybody goes through everybody goes through high points and low points and I, I don't really want to call it depression. I just like to call it a, a lower state of consciousness. And when you feel that way, it's usually from a a neuro-linguistic point of view, what's going on is the, the language that's associated with depression is usually associated with something personal, something pervasive, or something permanent. Think of it as the three Ps, 
the three P's of depression, the three P's of lower consciousness, the three P's of problems. Personal, pervasive, and permanent. If someone, if you're low, if someone you know is low, probably a personal relationship, personal finance, could be something that's pervasive. But the most common one I have found is people get into this idea of permanence. Why does this always, oh, it's never going to get any better. I'm never going to get out of this marriage. I'm never going to get out of this debt. People believe, they, they train themselves to think that permanent is a thing. And if you find yourself in any of these situations, if you, if you start getting bummed, if you get down, just think the three Ps. Be like, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's personal, it's pervasive, and permanent. And all three of those Ps are probably bullshit. You're probably feeling sorry for yourself. Snap the fuck out of it, all right? And nothing in life is permanent. Nothing. That's the, that's the defensive posture. Understand that. All three of the P's. Three P's. That's the defensive posture. On the offensive posture, know that you can use your knowledge of the three P's to snap somebody else out of those situations. Of course, these could also be used to put people in different states. And if you find yourself in a situation in which you must, def- you must defend yourself by being the aggressor, then you can use the strategies of the three Ps to take out a weaker opponent, an emotionally weaker opponent. And just as a side note, look, everything I'm teaching you guys it could be used really sinister. And I, I struggle with that. I, I, got, I got a call from my mentor that heard my first class on it. And he, he asked me, like, what am I doing to make sure that the people I teach this to aren't going to use it to hurt other people? I didn't have a real good answer for him. I told him that I believe... I believe that in today's climate, it's imperative that as many people that want to learn it can learn it. Because I believe that this type of linguistic programming is out of control and it's just being used against our parents, our kids, and ourselves. And if the side effects of me teaching a large number of people how to use NLP is that some people use it for sinister means, then so be it. I think that there's going to be, I have much more faith in humanity and much more faith in the people that I love and care about to use these techniques the right way. So use them the right way. All right, guys. I love you. Hope you enjoyed this one. We're going to finish up here. Uh, I think we have maybe six more courses. So I'll be doing six more lectures on these. And uh, this is course two. I love you guys. I will talk to you soon. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. 
And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.